The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please go to www.folfcrc.com. We've been going through a series we're calling Saved 2. So we want to think about the Christian life and, and understand it's more than just what we're saved from. We love what we're saved from, right? I really enjoy being saved from God's wrath for my sin. That's awesome. I love being forgiven. I love that, right? Isn't it great to know all your sins washed away? But is that the end of the story? Sometimes we can feel like it is. You think, oh, the Christian life, I got my get out of hell free card. Now I just got to be a nice person, show up to church occasionally. Is that it? And so we've been, no, it's not it at all. There's so much more. We've been thinking about what are we saved to? And right now we're in the middle of what uh, you could call the fruits of the Spirit. And that's the idea that um, if you've trusted in Christ, God aims to transform you. Did you know that? He aims to transform you. He's already transformed your standing. Your standing is how God sees you. If you trusted in Jesus Christ, his life, death, and his resurrection for you, he's transformed your, your standing. So you were an enemy of God. You were deserving of his condemnation. Now in Christ, you are forgiven. You are adopted. You're his child. Your standing's been totally changed. But God's not content with that. Now that your standing has changed, he wants to change you all the way down. He wants to change your heart, your mind, how you see things, how you react to the world. And he does this through the power of his Holy Spirit who is with you. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit with you. And as you fellowship with the Spirit, as you walk with the Spirit, the Spirit is going to work into you the very character of Jesus himself. That's the fruit. And so the fruit of the Spirit we're looking at today is patience. And I just want to remind you, these, these fruits are not like laws. It's not a cage for bad behavior, okay? It's not a, you better be patient or else. That's not what fruit is. Fr- fruit's not a law. Fruit is a gift. So it's by God's grace, as we, as we know him and his love for us, and we're with him, we actually become different so that these, this fruit grows organically, out of us. It becomes who we actually are. Wouldn't it be great to be actually patient? That's right. Go ahead and laugh it up because how many of you, you're like, oh, I'm a patient person. How many of you even want to be patient people in a way? How many of you wish you lived in a world where you never, ever had to be patient? I want it now, easy button, ding, microwave world. Unfortunately, it's not real. But don't you think patience is perfect for Mother's Day? Who are the most patient people we know? It's our mothers. And, and who needs more patience than mothers? No one, right? But of course, for Christians, guess what? We all need patience. Another thing to remember about the fruit of the Spirit, it's not a fruit buffet. The great thing about a buffet, right, is you can take the bacon, leave the broccoli, Fruit of the Spirit, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, love, joy, peace. You're like, fruit of the Spirit is love. That's cool. I would love it if those people would love me better. (laughs) Fruit of the Spirit is joy. Hey, that's cool. But the way we understand that is uh, the fruit of an easy life is joy. Isn't that what we mean? The fruit of an easy life is joy. In other words, if my life was easier, I'd be joyful. But since it's not, I'm not. Is that what the text said? The fruit of the Spirit is joy. So if all you have, if all you have is God himself and the Holy Spirit, 
Guess what's going to grow out of you? Joy. Fruit of the Spirit is peace. Saw that a couple weeks ago. And the fruit of the Spirit is patience. Patience. Wow. Okay, so we already know that we're hesitant about patience because we know patience implies something. Love, joy, and peace sound nice, but we're, we're hesitant towards patience because you don't need patience for something you're enjoying. You don't, eat, you don't eat the ice cream and go, oh, Lord, you know, help me get through this. <laughs> we know that patience means difficulty. It means hardship. It's something undesirable, which is why we don't hardly even want patience. Lord, can you just... You know, how do I get patience without actually doing it? Is there a way? Um, and even like in our small groups, you know, we're not like, hey, can we go to LAX and just drive around? Just work on patience together? <laughs> again, again. Uh, nobody wants patience. We're not very excited about it. And in our culture, like, patience is like the no way, Jose, right? We really do live in a, in a microwave culture. We want it now and it better be right and we want that financially and we want that with our food we even want it with relationships i want perfection now i want it easy the problem with that is it's not real life think about it how many truly good things come easily with no work how how, how many things are there like that okay it's mother's day every one of you was born Ladies, was that easy with no work? It took work to get you here. <laughs> Think of the greatest artist or athlete or someone who's excellent at anything. What did it take for them to, to reach excellence? It, didn't just, it wasn't just easy button. It was sacrifice over time. It was endurance. Really what we're talking about here is patient endurance. Uh, keeping with something. Patience keeps going when things are hard. It doesn't have a tantrum. It doesn't quit. Think about trying uh, to build wealth. Who, who are the wealthy people? The ones who buy the most lottery tickets? You have a better chance of being eaten by a shark in Kansas, right, than winning the lottery. The wealthy people are those who sacrifice and save and invest over time, and they store up wealth. It's, it's patience. It's patient endurance. So you see we're talking about endurance. You're going to keep going. That's what patience is. You're going to keep going when things are hard. You're not having a tantrum. You're not going to quit. You also see here that patience goes hand in hand with purpose. I think this is maybe the most important thing to understand. Patience goes hand in hand with purpose. There's no real patience without real purpose. Purpose means there's a goal to all of this, and it's going somewhere good. You have to know there's a purpose in order to have patience. Absolutely. Patience is about enduring with purpose. So again, you think of the, the athlete or the musician. Why do they sacrifice? Why do they endure? They're going to reach a certain point. They want, they're going to be good at their instrument. Or, or someone trying to save up. For retirement. Why are they sacrificing? Why are they saving? There's a goal. I'm saving something. Patient endurance with purpose, which means in the end the weight is worth it. The weight 
is worth it. You patiently endure because it's worth it. It's worth it not to quit. It's worth it not to give up. That's what we're talking about with patience. So I want to look at three things with you now. Number one, the source of patience. Where do we get this? And then I want to look with you at two important areas where patience plays out. So the source of patience, two important areas where patience plays out. Number one, the source of our patience. We aren't just talking about a human kind of patience you can dig up on your own, right? We're talking about the fruit of the who? The spirit is patience. So this is God's patience in you. So in other words, if we want to get a taste for what this patience is like, we've, we've got to look to the source. And who's, who's the most patient of all? As we're going to see, our God is perfectly patient. So look at this text that we read this morning. We'll start in verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. And here the Apostle Paul says, This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. So I told you that patience goes hand in hand with purpose. Do you see any purpose in this verse? Christ Jesus came in the world to do something. And what was it? He's going to save sinners. Even Paul himself, and Paul says, I'm the worst. Uh, just back up a second. Listen, for Christianity, even our leaders, we say, we're the worst sinners. So we just want to undo, undo anything where if, like, if you come in here the first time or you're thinking about Christianity where you think, oh, the Christian people, they think they have everything all together. No, we, we really know we don't have everything all together, and that's why we're here. And even our apostle, the apostle Paul, I mean, he's kind of like varsity Christian, right? He does stuff, writes the Bible, okay? And what does he say about his own sin, okay? I'm first in line of the sinners, first in line. I deserve, the apostle says, I deserve God's wrath for what I've done, and I need Jesus to save me. And Paul is celebrating, and he's encouraging Timothy with this. That's why he came, to save sinners. The, only, the, the people Jesus has the most problem with are the people who are like, I'm not a sinner, I'm good by myself. They need to talk, right? I'm not sure that's true. Do you even keep your own standard? Do you keep God's standard? Are you sure? Heck, it's Mother's Day. Ask your mom if you've ever sinned. <laughs> Best, yeah, somebody in the crowd's like, no, I don't need to do that, okay? <laughs> I don't need to do that. And if you wanted to open the book on my problems, my mom owns the book, right? She has the key. She knows all my sins. On Mother's Day, let's not pretend anybody's a good person on their own. Because mom's here, she knows better, right? How much more God? We need Jesus to save us from our sins. And that's why he came, to save sinners. I, I just want to think with you now about God's patience in this. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Uh, what's in that word Christ? Is it his last name, right? Jesus H. Christ. No, Christ is title. It's a title, and it, and it means simply the anointed promised king, the one chosen by God and promised. Okay, just think of, now just think of promise. Promised king, which means there was a time when he wasn't here yet. He's promised he's going to come. We call that in our Bibles the Old Testament. It's long. It covers like over 2,000 years. 
From the very beginning, when everything fell into sin, there was a promise. Somebody's going to come to save you. He's going to come. How long did that mess take? Depending on how you want to count it up, it's like 2,000 years. Think of God's patience. We know from Ephesians 1 that he chose to save you by his grace in Christ. That happened before the foundation of the world. I don't know how exactly to date that. It's a long time ago, right? He chose to save you, and then he endured for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years the rebellion of humanity saying, get out of our face. We don't even like you. We don't want you. Leave us alone. Then at the right time, I think maybe about 2000 BC, he calls a man named Abraham, a moon worshiper from the city of Ur, and says, you're my guy, I'm gonna bless you, and in you I'm gonna make a family, and I'm gonna make a nation, and through that nation, I'm gonna save the world. And 400 years later, Abraham's finally a people, and Israel's being saved out of Egypt. 400 years! Then there's like 1,500 years of God enduring Israel's incredible stubbornness, all the while making promises about the Christ, prophecies, predictions about the Christ. Then towards the end of what we call the Old Testament, there's 400 years of silence, no prophets. And then finally, as it says in Galatians 4, at just the right time, just the right time, Jesus Christ comes, fulfills Every prophecy with mind-boggling accuracy fulfills every promise. There he is. Do you think it seemed like, for the folks in the Old Testament, man, this Christ thing, it's never going to come. It's never going to happen. And did it seem like many times, you know what, you people don't even deserve this Christ thing. I'm done with you. It's over. God never quit. He never wavered. He never failed. He kept every single one of his promises, and Jesus came right when he was supposed to came to come and did everything he was supposed to do. Is God patient? He is so patient. He never quits when it comes to producing his purpose. He will accomplish what he says he will accomplish. He is patient. He is patient. And think with me now just about the patience of Jesus. Remember the story of, of Jesus in the garden right before the cross? And it, it really hits him in this evening. He's in the garden with his disciples after the Last Supper, and it really lands on him what he's about to do. And it lands hard. And it's an epic thing. It's more than just physical suffering. It's, it's him, the, the eternal Son of God, being separated from the Father and enduring the Father's wrath and condemnation for my sin, your sin, the sins of all of his people. And it's just horrific beyond words. Uh, and Jesus is in such anguish, the scriptures tell us he sweats blood. There's evidently this condition where when stress is so harsh, your capillaries open and blood actually mixes with your sweat. And it's very painful. It's going to be very raw. He's just, he's overwhelmed with what's coming. And remember what he says to his disciples? Hey, could you guys pray with me? Right? Now, how many of you, you've been with your friend in a crisis situation? They asked you for some help, okay? Were you able to show up and do what you needed to do? Many of you have. I, I like to think I've showed up and done some things. I was able to show up and do what I needed to do. Do you remember what the disciples are doing while Jesus is in anguish? 
Can you pray with me? Imagine, um, there's a crisis situation. You know, I've been a chaplain with the police department, and I go out, and somebody's in a crisis situation, and they look over at me, and I'm in the... I'm sleeping. Do you see what's hitting for Jesus right here? It's landing on him. You're going to go through this, and these are the kind of people you're going to go through it for. They fall asleep on you. They're not there for you. They don't endure. They can't make it. They're weak. They're frail. Even when they're well-meaning, they're actually kind of pitiful. You're going to do this for that. How many of you would have been like, I'm out? <laughs> it's over. Not worth it. Jesus had a purpose. To save sinners. And Jesus endured patiently to make that happen. And he walked right into the cross. And he made no excuses and no complaints. He didn't waver for a moment. He walked right into it and drank the whole cup of the wrath of God for my sake, for your sake. He didn't quit. He endured to the end. Do you see the patience of Jesus? Faithful endurance till the end because of the purpose. Wow. And the Apostle Paul's overwhelmed with God's patience. Now let's look at verse 16 of 1 Timothy. Verse 16, here's what Paul says about himself. I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example of those who are to believe in him for eternal life. So Paul says Jesus displayed something amazing in how he treated Paul. And what was it? That Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience. How do we see God's patience, the patience of Jesus, in how he treated Paul? Well, what was Paul's earlier career? Super religified Pharisee. And he believed it was a good thing to persecute Christians, put them in jail, and have them killed because of their faith. So you got innocent people suffering because of Paul. Now, what does Paul deserve for that? Death. You, know, you read the Bible, and sometimes you're like, whoa, God kills people. You ever had that shock you? And sometimes you're like, he kills people for littler things than what I've done. Um, and at first you're like, I don't, I don't know about this God. You, you remember he's holy. He is holy. He hates evil. He loves good. And he told us the wages of sin is, is death. It's death. You, you eat of the tree, he said to Adam. It's death. That's it. That's enough. Once, where'd you get your life from? Did you earn it? Make me. I demand it. You know? It's a gift. God gave you life, and, and you're accountable to him, right? He's the creator. He's the judge. And he's given his law on what he expects. Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself every time, perfectly, all the way. I don't know about you, but I haven't come close. And so I've deserved death and judgment from God. At a, you know, I'm at like a count of like four billion times right now. Seriously. And Paul's like, I'm the foremost. And God waited. He didn't give me what I deserved, and he waited. He didn't give me what I deserved, and he waited. Aren't you glad? Some of you in here, you know, you're more adult converts. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't 
bring you to the end, you know, like 10 years ago? How patient is God with those he saves? Paul says, this is perfect patience. And we see God's patience in Paul because we see, we see uh, Jesus saying, listen, if I can save Paul, I can save anybody, okay? He hated Jesus, hated him. This is like, this is like Osama bin Laden converting. It really is. Okay, yeah. If I can save Paul, I can save anybody. And if God wants to save somebody, someone, what's going to stop him? Nothing. doesn't matter how bad you are. How long you've been bad, does it matter? He can save you. And he endures. He's going to accomplish his purpose. He's patient. He's patient. Doesn't that give you so much hope? Aren't you, how patient has God been with you as you sit here this morning? Some of us are saying, I need him to be a little more patient. Maybe you're right on the verge, you know about Jesus, but you haven't trusted yourself to him. Not really. Are you going to keep being patient? God's patient. He chases us down, doesn't he? He chases us down. And this brings Paul to just an eruption of praise because this is a, this is a special flavor of God's grace of how patient he is. It's that he endures no matter what to accomplish his purpose. And so you see in verse 17, and this is Paul just being like, to the king of ages. So he's, he's king, past, present, and future over everything. He's patient, right? He's over history. He's working it for good. Immortal, invisible. He's holy. I can't control him. I can't contain him. He's the one who's in charge, and to him be honor and glory forever and ever. He's our patient God who doesn't quit on us. Don't you love God for his patience? I do. Okay. So if you've trusted Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit, what does God want to work in you? That you would be patient like him. God's kind of patience in your heart and in your life. So what does it look like? We've seen the source of patience. It's God enduring through circumstance with stubborn people in order to accomplish his purpose of salvation. So what does it look like for us? And I want to think about the fruit of the Spirit is patience for our circumstances and our relationships. Isn't that where we need patience? Circumstances and relationships. So number one, circumstances. Listen, let's be honest. A lot of times our circumstances are horrible. They're difficult. They're ugly. They're hard. Okay? Let's remember, who went first? Jesus. God loved Jesus? That's the easy one. Yeah, a lot. Okay? Jesus have it hard? Okay? Was Jesus acting according to plan for God's purposes? Yes. So is it possible, probable, that God lets hard things happen to people he loves for his purposes? Swallow the pill, folks. It's, that's real. That's real. How did Jesus respond to that? Patience. Okay? Think about impatience. You ever been impatient? <laughs> what, a, what a funny question to ask. Some, some of you are like, I am right now. I want to eat lunch, and you keep talking. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm like working on God's team right here to teach you. 
Patience 101. Okay, when you're impatient, whose purpose are you into? Yours. Whose timing are you into? Yours. Our impatience says, hey, world, you're here for me. Get on my schedule. How dare you, how dare you cut me off? Don't you know this is my 405? It's my 405. I know you have a doctor's appointment. I'm going to the movies. Get out the way. My world, my schedule. That's what impatience says. Impatience is practical atheism. Practical atheism. There is no God but me. Impatience. So the only problem with your impatience is that that's not real. (laughs) Because, newsflash, you're not God. (laughs) Some of you are like, what? (laughs) You're not God. And so, the fruit of the Spirit in a Christian is really an idea of submission to God. It's your world. It's for your pleasure. It's for your purpose. And it's on your timing. So here's two things we need for the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is patience. Number one, is there a good purpose? Yes. You've got to grip this. Your faith, your faith has to grip this. God is working. Remember, he's patient. He's working. He's here. There is a good purpose. Romans 8, God works everything for the good of those who love him. He's working. There's a good purpose, okay? Does he have a timeline for whatever he's doing? Yes. He's doing something. It's good, and he's got a schedule. Does he always send you the email on this? Does he ask you for your permission? Or does he say, trust me? Okay? I want to read you a text. It's kind of long. It's from Isaiah 40. Read Isaiah 40 sometime. Just this grand view of how awesome God is. And it really gives you kind of the secret to the fruit of the Spirit is patience. Isaiah 40, look at verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Okay, just pause. Israel saying, God, you forgot us. And God is saying, why are you saying this? Okay, what are we saying in our impatience? God, you're not here. You forgot me. God's word is saying, I've never forgotten you. Okay, verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He's big, he's strong, he's powerful. Keep going. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. So remember, he's patient. He doesn't get tired of what he's doing. He's going to keep at it, and his understanding is unsearchable, which means he's, he's smarter than you. <laughs> right? That's, a, that's important. He's smarter than you. He knows what he's doing. I get impatient because I, I can see this far. God sees so much further. And so to trust him, his purpose, his timing, gives patience. Now look at verse 29. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. So what does God do? He gives power to the faint. Isn't impatience kind of running out of your own ability? You're out of control now. You're on a different schedule, and you don't like the schedule. And so you're just, I don't have anything left. And I'm, ah! 
He gives power to the faint. Verse 30, even youths faint and, be, and will fall weary. Young men shall fall exhausted. Here's the key right here, verse 31. But those who what? Wait for the Lord. So that, that's submitted to, all right, God, you have a plan, you have a purpose, you have a schedule. I wish it was different, but I'm going to trust you on yours. And when your heart reaches that place of submission and trust for God's purpose, those who wait for the Lord, that's what it means to wait on him. God, I know you're acting. I'm going to watch and see what you're going to do. Those who wait for the Lord will what? Great, this is great promise. Renew their strength. Now I can wait longer. I can endure. I can be patient. Renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not be faint. Don't you love these three levels? Sometimes you're like, full of faith, you're flying high, top gun. Sometimes you're like, I can run and keep going. And sometimes you're like, all I can do is walk right now. That's cool. Either way, he's going to give you the strength to keep moving. Not grow weary. Patience. We gain the strength of of God's patience for our circumstances as we humbly submit to his purpose and timing. That's waiting on the Lord. I'm going to wait for you, God, and what you're doing. I believe there's a purpose. you got to have that. But I'm going to wait for you to do it. Patience of the Spirit in our circumstances. And remember, I've been telling you, it's not a fruit buffet, right? It's a singular fruit with different aspects. So, so uh, trivia question. Does the, the fruit of the Spirit is patience, meaning you're complaining all the time? No? Anybody want to be like, yep? No. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and patience. So wouldn't it be right to say you joyfully and peacefully wait with patience? It would. It would be right. If you need to go back and listen to sermons on the fruit of the Spirit is joy and peace, <laughs> do it. I need, I need to hear the message like every day. I'm, joy, I'm, I'm joyful because God's with me. He's working for me. I have peace because I can rest in him and what he's done, and so I can wait for what he's doing on his timing. That's how we handle it with our circumstances. Okay, what does it mean for our relationships with others? Remember, the, the fruit of the Spirit is a single, singular quality. It's the character of Jesus has different aspects. So we see the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. We also know from 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. See how these things, these, they aren't connect, they're not disconnected. They're, they're together. They're different aspects of the same thing. Love is patient. So if you love someone, you patiently endure with them. This is how the fruit of the Spirit plays out in our relationships. We endure with one another. So many texts that are examples of this, but look at Colossians 3, verses 12 to 13. The apostle says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and drumroll. There it is. What? Patience. Okay, see how he starts it. You're already loved. You're chosen. You're holy and loved. You're set apart in Christ. So you're, you're already, you're loved by God. And because you're loved by God, you want to live out his character. Because the gospel saved you, you want to echo the gospel to one another. And so that means you put on patience with one another. And then there's our favorite verse here at Fountain of Life, verse 13. What do we do with one another? We bear with one another. Again, 
You don't have to bear with things that are pleasant. I want to take you to sushi. Oh, I guess I can. I guess I can bear with that. I can make it through. You don't have to bear with things that you enjoy. So, so what he's saying is sometimes our relationships will test one another. We'll challenge one another. And so remember the gospel. What does God do with you? You mess it up, does he throw you out? He's patient. Does he endure with you constantly, even still, forever? Yeah. So what should we give to one another? I'm going to be patient with you. I'm going to endure with you. I'm going to bear with you. And if one has complaint against another, what else? Forgiving one another. When they write you a nice card and ask nicely. That's what it says here. No, it's not what it says here. Forgiving each other as how? What kind of forgiveness? As the Lord has forgiven you. So you figure it out. What, what flavor of forgiveness would you like from Jesus? Only when you remember to say you're really sorry and change perfectly? Or do you need something a little more broad than that? Like all your sins all the time. Okay? With the, with the measure of forgiveness you would like, bestow. The fruit of the Spirit is patience means I'm going to bear with you. I'm not going to kick you to the curb. I'm not going to be done with you. In fact, I'm going to forgive you like Jesus forgives me. That's the fruit of the Spirit in our relationships. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. And you guys, patience with one another is powerful. Mothers know this. What is it about moms? They just can't quit on their kids. Moms, you ever made it through a season where you're like, oh, my kid, my kid is a train wreck right now? Maybe some of you are in that season right now. But some of you in here could say, wait longer, right? Wait longer, be patient, keep loving them, keep sticking with them. Patience is huge for parenting. I'm going to stick with you no matter what to the end. Patience is powerful. One, one benefit of me being here 12 years, which is kind of sort of long for pastors, being able to see beautiful things in people and in myself, patience with one another. It was a story of uh, Abraham Lincoln, per perhaps the greatest president our nation has ever known. In fact, can one of you clone him or resurrect him right now? <laughs> can we figure this out? Lincoln had an adversary earlier in his career named Edwin Stanton, and they were lawyers during a case, and Stanton said this of Lincoln. Okay, I hope it's okay to say this in a sermon. I'm quoting someone. Stanton said, why did you bring that damned long-armed ape here? He does not know anything and can do no good. Oh, that's kind. Thank you. Uh, wow. That's what Stanton said about Lincoln. Lincoln insisted on speaking positively of, of him and his abilities. And a couple years later, when Lincoln was president, guess who he made as Secretary of War? Stanton. Okay, how many of us, somebody says something like that, we're like, you're done. Okay? Lincoln didn't do that. He's a politician. He didn't do that. At Lincoln's funeral after his assassination, Stanton t stood with tears and said of Lincoln, here lies the greatest ruler of men the world has ever seen. And it was because of Lincoln's 
patience. Patience with one another is powerful. And we echo God's patience with us as we lovingly endure with one another. So let me just give us a few applications on how we apply this. Remember, God is patient. He doesn't quit in his goal for you and his purpose for you. And because he's patient with you, we can be patient in our circumstances. We wait for him, for his timing, knowing he has a purpose, and we can be patient with one another. We endure with one another, loving one another, forgiving one another, because he's patient with us. How do we apply this? Well, we want to walk by the Spirit, so I'm going to summarize a few things. Number one, if you want to be more patient, and we, we need this, right? Trust and pray God's promises into your heart. It's where it always starts. Relying on the Spirit, trusting His presence, His power with you, trusting His promises. Look at Colossians 1, 11 to 12. And don't forget, this is a prayer. Colossians 1, 11. May you be strengthened with all what? Power, according to His glorious might. And now you're thinking, so you can like fly over a mountain or change the culture. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for what? Endurance. And patience with, wow, it takes God's strength for you to joyfully endure. That's a miracle when you do that. And God wants to give it to you. How do you do it? You pray and you ask for it and you trust his promises. You get your head in the word, you trust his promises, you pray for it, you ask for it. God, give me this. And look at verse 12, giving thanks to God the Father. Hmm. Gratitude really helps with patience. Sometimes it's like, I can't think of anything to thank him for. Well, you at least have this, verse 12. Give thanks to God the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. You're going to go to heaven and be with him forever. Wait for it. It's coming. You can be thankful. and That's going to help you get through now. Trust and pray these promises. We've also been seeing the last few weeks that as we walk by the Spirit, we kill the flesh. The flesh is that inclination in us. It's prideful. It's selfish. It's anti-God. And so what's the kind of flesh we want to kill when we think about the fruit of the Spirit being patience? Well, look at these two verses from Proverbs. It says so many times in the Old Testament especially that God is slow to anger. It means he's patient, right? He doesn't just, he doesn't just wipe us out. He waits. He accomplishes his purpose to save. Well, look at Proverbs 14, 29. Whoever is slow to anger has what? Great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. And that's another way of saying, like, is an idiot. (laughs) One person has understanding, wisdom, especially that God is God and he's working. And the other person's blowing up and flicking off the people driving by and saying curse words. Because he forgot for a minute that he's not God. Do you ever get irritable when you're impatient? Yes, me too. What do you do with that? You say, well, I had a hard day. You're a spirit person. You have the Holy Spirit. Cultivate being slow to anger. Kill the irritability. It doesn't belong in us, right? It doesn't belong in us. Or look at this as far as relationships. Proverbs 19.11. Good sense makes one slow to anger. And it is a glory to overlook an offense. It's such a precious, precious passage. You know, in America, it's like our hobby to be offended. Land of the entitled, home of the offended. TV shows are about being offended. 
Political movements are about being offended. Jesus people are like, I don't need to be offended. I don't need to take it personally. I don't need to hold a grudge. In fact, it's glorious. And glorious is like, you look like God right now. It's so beautiful. When somebody, when somebody does something to offend you and you're like, I'm not taking it personally. I forgive them. I'm going to let it go. Isn't that what God does for you constantly? That's what he does for me. It's a glory to overlook an offense. Can't we stand out like this instead of being quick to anger? Somebody said something. Somebody did something. Rah! Listen, they're responsible for what they say and do. But you do not have to be offended. That's on you. Now, I'm, t- I'm not talking about if somebody does something evil, you're not hurt or sad or discouraged, or if there's injustice out there, you don't want to fight against it. That's not what I'm talking about. Offense is different. Att- offense is taking it personally. It's becoming bitter. It's needing revenge. It's letting the, the poison rot you. And you don't have to do that. You can work against evil and still forgive people at the same time. You can confront somebody if necessary and still do it lovingly and gently because you're not taking personal offense. But it's a glory to be slow to anger. So let's kill that irritability. That's flesh. Last one to say. Wait actively. You know, you think of patience. You can think of patience as just like, well, hit the lazy, hit the lazy boy. I'm just going to wait. That's not how the Bible talks about it. Look at Hebrews 6, 11 to 12. We desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Are these people active or inactive when they're patient? They're full of earnestness. They're not sluggish. They're imitating those who've lived the Christian life through faith and patience. So it's go hard for Jesus while you wait for Jesus. Go hard for Jesus while you wait for Jesus. How can I serve him? How can I know him? How can I live for him? So patience is not a lack of work, right? It's a reliance on God's work. Last one to mention with our relationships. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.14. We want to be patient with one another, right? This is what Paul says. And we urge you, brothers, what are our action verbs here? Number one, admonish the idle. Number two, encourage the faint-hearted. Number three, Help the weak, so we're doing things. Gosh, even admonishing sometimes, encouraging people when they're faint, they're tired, helping people when they can't make it on their own, very active. And then what are you doing with all of them? Be patient with them all. Active patience. I'm going to stick with you. I'm not going to give up on you. I'm still seeking. It's not a lack of work. It's active reliance on God's work. So, Let's love God for his patience. He's patient with us in Christ. And in the strength of his patience, let's endure through our circumstances knowing he's working for a good purpose. And let's live out his patience with one another as we endure, as we love, as we forgive one another. Let's be patient. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you glory and praise that you are so patient with us. Where would we be? And I pray right now that your patience would be working even on us as we're sitting here, that we'd be amazed that you've waited, you've been so kind, and, and your, your patience would, would turn us to repentance, that we'd come to you and say, all right, I'm here, I, I want to belong to you. Um, Lord, you know what situations we're in right now, some, some suffering, some struggles. Help us to wait on you, knowing you're working, you're accomplishing good things, to trust you. 
Uh, Lord, we have hard relationships in our lives. Help us to bear with one another, forgive one another, to live out the gospel that has saved us. And we thank you one day, Lord. You, you're working our lives. We're going to see what you're doing. And one day you're going to come back and you're going to finish it all. And you're going to make it right. You're going to undo evil. You're going to renew us. You're going to renew the earth. There'll be no more pain, no more tears. And we wait for that, Jesus. We wait. Help us to live for you as we wait patiently. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.